And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike. One co-host, also Mike, in a minute. Doing, yet again, another news episode, but it's a little different, so it's kind of like a, a monster mash, which I guess is quite appropriate for the season, as I've been downing pumpkin spice lattes and getting into the fall spirit. <laughs> we're going to be talking about box office updates, specifically about Tenet and a couple other movies. Uh, Michael, tell the good people what we're getting into today. Yeah, this is the box office apocalypse episode i don't know <laughs> what this is but here this is a first time for our podcast like we yeah. literally had a google document it's 11 pages long where yeah. we were trying to write a script we were carrying this story over and over and over again right because it was too big to fit into the last few episodes and those other stories were too big and they made up the entire episode, whether it was the film festival stuff or the trailers, etc. in the last few RRCs. So this story just grew and grew and grew in importance and how much we wanted to talk about it. And then we talked past each other in our entire Google document. So we blew up. We blew up our Google document <laughs> where you have no script. We're just improvising today. This is like, like what's that show? Um improv hot start no nope. hot start <laughs> whose line is it anyway this is the whose line is it anyway of mike mike and oscar episodes and it's terrifying to me yeah this is going to be interesting uh and if you look at the google doc that we were supposed to be working off of right now it looks like a uh, one of my early law school papers because there's just red everywhere <laughs> <laughs> just correction and this is wrong and blah 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 so we're going to try to have more of a free-flowing conversation talking around the the box office a couple other stories if we get to them but the main story is tenant and what Tenet has done at the box office and what studios are doing in reaction to what Tenet has done at the box office. And we're coming at this from a couple different angles. Mike, you said we wanted to start by kind of laying the groundwork of the pandemic. We have no choice because I've tried to start this episode with uh, a different structure every time, whether it was Dune mm -hmm. or WB or all the movies that have moved or whether it was Tenet and is it, is it a box office failure or is it you know better than we thought? Mulan, we were going to start with the streamers, the streaming wars, and it just goes off into all these tangents, and like I said, we were writing past each other, but <laughs> bottom line is we have a global pandemic, and I think that we Do have we? to address... Sure? We You're have positive. to address the U.S. handling of the global pandemic to the point where nobody wants to go to the movie theaters. You were right about this in March, Mike. I was hopeful that it wouldn't take seven months... Hopeful to, is the word. I think everyone was hopeful that, yeah. that this thing would be under control within a half a year or we'd at least have some guidance or know what the hell we're doing or that it wouldn't be so overly politicized to death that it's now an actual divisive issue as to whether or not freedoms are being infringed, which, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I, you don't have to... Oh, if you listen to us, you know where I stand on it, but I think that's ridiculous. I also think it's ridiculous that half the population thinks that this is the flu yeah. And that it's, you know, killing a, a low percentage of people and that yep. it's not that serious and that we could carry on business as usual with a few precautions and that we should be gathering in crowds everywhere and anywhere because ultimately this is just not that harmful of a disease. Now, you and I think it is, obviously. <laughs> the, que the problem is, ultimately, when we were talking about this in March and doing a month of news episodes on it, right, mm -hmm. we got tired of doing that yeah. because it was too grim. And, and we pivoted our entire programming slate and even you know canceled out a few news shows that we we're doing on a weekly basis. Right. And, and. So, Mike, <laughs> when we decided to move away from this, we, we basically did so because 
we didn't want to think about how the United States would fuck this up as badly <laughs> well, as they did. You were predicting they would. They haven't overseas. That like that's the big thing. Like China's box office, Tenet made fifty one million in seven days. That's good box office. Peninsula made money. A bunch of movies have made money overseas, and Tenet made one hundred seventy eight million overseas thus far. Only twenty nine point five million over or here domestically. So it. Things are, are much more back to a quote-unquote sense of normalcy, or at least a certain high percentage of that in terms of the business and the box office So, business. So, U.S. box office vis-a-vis international box office, right? the The comparison isn't even worth making right now to me. It's apples and oranges. I mean, I, like I said to you, and I know oh. the COVID numbers from China, I know there's speculation and what's right and what's wrong and what, what what's being hit. I understand there's a lot of discrepancy to be had with those numbers. But if you look at enough sources, and I looked at two or three that are supposed to be reputable, so take this for what it's worth. But if you look at enough sources, China's having about 20 to 25 new cases of COVID per day right now. Okay? Right. America is having 1,000 deaths per day. The difference in how this virus is working in both these box office, you know, countries, mm-hmm. it's night and day. It's totally different. So I don't even think it's worth comparing what's happening in America to what's happening in any other country, quite frankly, because of just, I mean, look, to be blunt, how badly we've messed this up. Yeah, it, we're, we're basically taken all the way back to March when it was starting mm-hmm. to spread. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's the same way, ex- except... Most people don't really care about it, or most most people so, are just living with it. This is my biggest gripe and my underlying complaint, and and what was building with rage and seething inside of me over the last couple of days. The more I thought about this, okay, the idea that Plan A has always been let's just wait, let's just wait and see when normalcy returns, and when normalcy returns, we'll get right back into making movies and putting them out. And th- Why was Plan A? Just wait for normalcy. And then plan A1 was, hey, we have Tenet. Tenet could save us. Like, why was there not a backup in place? It's been seven months of people basically sitting around. And the biggest story we've had out of movie theaters is, we're waiting to see what Tenet does. That, to me, is absurd, especially when you got closer to Tenet's debut date and the projections weren't that off off based off what actually happened. Like, the, right. if you look at different projections, like I did, and I went back, Deadline's had, the week of, Deadline had Tenet opening at 20 million, Screen Rant said 24 and a half million, Box Office Pro said 25 million or more, possibly. It opened at 20.2 million, I think was the number, and it's up to 30 million after 10 days in theaters. You could talk about the, the drop-off from week one to week two. I know they lost 60% of their audience, but in a best-case scenario, blockbusters usually lose 40% of their audience anyway. So, like, at best, based on the projections, you were looking at Tenant making about forty million within its first two weekends. That that's what was going to happen, and that's pretty much what happened. Where, where is the shock and awe, and where's the innovation, and why haven't why isn't there a backup plan to this? All right, I, a couple different things. Number one, those projections were weak of projections. Yes. I think if you asked WB in the middle of the summer that look, you can put Tenant out. In the U.S. box office, and it's going to make thirty to forty to fifty million in its first two weeks. Would they do it? Hell no, they would not do it, in my opinion. So that's why I think I think you're angry at how the U.S. government and how the U.S. has botched COVID. You because, think? 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think it's necessarily all WB's fault. They should have read the room, read okay. the, it's the not, landscape like you did. It's not. But, I, oh, th- but here's the other thing. Yeah, but they're, they're also under a ton of pressure. Like, we don't know the financial realities of AMC and Cinemark and these movie theaters. And we don't know what they're holding over WB or what they're holding over these studios. This might be an ongoing negotiation where they're like... What does it matter? Gonna- Wait a minute. What does, it, what does it matter what the theaters are holding over them? Because now... Now we're getting reports from Deadline and Pete D'Alessandro and all these places that are saying theaters are going to have to reclose. So what does it matter? They're going to have to reclose. Well, they're going to have to reclose. I mean, but basically they're all going to have to do deals with, you know, streamers, essentially, at the end of the day, which cuts into the ultimate Which is, you know, what I suggested seven fucking months ago that these yeah. that the theaters should get in bed with but PVOD. Those business models have not proven billion dollar profit sure profits sure they have not proven those levels of profits so, i mean mulan was a smashing success and it made a quarter of a bill you know i made 260 by projections 264 million which is great on its face but also takes away there's going to be no second run uh there's going to be probably little yeah. to no dvd or blu-ray sales off of it there's going to you know it, it eats away at what actually that could have made i it, i mean that's another argument we had over the last couple of days well yeah mulan did perceivably well right. according to some people based on it was a win Disney it was a win run. you and i differ it, over whether or not it was a flop but it was a definitely in definitely a win for disney well it's a terrible movie we can both agree on mm-hmm. that much i think i think the wrong movie is flopping right now overall <laughs> right. i think ten it's a great <laughs> right. movie i just saw it for a third time two nights ago i loved it but i i think we got to get back on this box office number and what wb thought because you know bottom line is I don't think WB knowingly put this movie out there or postured it for the uh, September 3rd release in the United States, knowing it was going to lose them hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, you've made the argument to me, and I, I really want you to make it to the people here, that their floor or yeah, they knew that it was possible they could lose fifty I, to hundred million dollars. I can't be convinced otherwise. I cannot be convinced that WB put this out and genuinely and honestly believed they were going to make enough to hit 500 million, which is probably the break-even point. Where, like, I can't... Nobody That's can convince lows. me that they were going to come close to breaking even on this. Oh, this is even crazier, though, Mike, because in the middle of the summer, in July, we had a major news outlet that I'm not going to embarrass right now saying that the break-even number for, right. for Tenet was $800 right. million, which would talk about, even if it's two and a half times budget, whatever. That's basically four times its budget, yeah. 800 million would say the marketing costs were anywhere from 315 or 335 million to 395 million in costs. That would be skyrocketing marketing costs that seemed too high off of a $205 million production budget. It seems way too high. So we've had recent reports from time.com and several other you know news outlets that are not always reporting on film saying that, oh no, it was 500 million. That's the break-even number. And I'm wondering are, I'm, I'm wondering is did somebody lie to the, you know, the, the, the film trade magazine or in the middle of the summer or is somebody lying now to try and save face? To, yeah, Where make, there's yeah. a lie, there's a lie in there somewhere. Well, look, uh, yeah, that, that that's that's certainly one aspect of it. We don't know the marketing cost, and we probably never will. And there's certainly investigation that can be done into the marketing because it, it, this really, this and Mulan especially, they had to run two campaigns essentially. 
and which right. I'm sure was no small feat for a blockbuster. You had to basically run the first campaign, put the trailers out in the theaters and, and get all the hype going. And then the pandemic hit. And then you had to run a second campaign saying we're reintroducing it. So I'm sure it did cost probably more to market these two movies than usual blockbusters. That's fine. And it, I, I would agree, but I don't necessarily right. think it's three times I, the marketing. Budget. I would agree with you. I don't know. So, I don't know that's that high either. But I do want to say that basically there's a lot of confusion by film journalists over what this movie had to make. And I don't think that the movie studio is innocent in that fact. I think the movie studio likes it when we're wondering what a movie has to make at the movie theaters or where it's not at least obvious that a flop is always a flop. So bottom line in the pandemic, making it a hundred times worse, I do think journalists are confused and the studios uh, are, are fine with that fact. Well, there was you know an added there was an added layer of a variable in this as well because it was Christopher Nolan, and we we reported all summer Christopher Nolan was basically like this fly going around the WB offices in between being the conduit between the studios and the theaters. He was working to try to get his movie released. He wanted it out yes. in theaters. He wanted to hit his release date, and we know. It almost worked a couple times. Like, WB didn't move it off its original debut date until the last second. And even when they moved it, they moved it to the end of July. And then when the end of July came, it was like a week out from the end of July, they moved it two weeks. Like, they didn't push it into September until the last possible second two or three times. Would they have done that if Nolan wasn't being as litigious and as, like, ardent in his desire to get this out in theaters as soon as possible? Probably not. But... That said, I still cannot be convinced that WB was totally blind. Like, we were on here, Mike, and and we run this little podcast, and there's a lot of other podcasts and trades, and people were speculating this wasn't going to be making a shitload of money right off the bat. Just based on theater restrictions alone and capacity restrictions once they did reopen, knowing we didn't have New York and L.A. open in time, like... People knew this wasn't going to do gangbusters. I don't give a shit. Like, I cannot be convinced WB sincerely thought we're going to have a movie. It's going to make 30 or 40, 50 million dollars in its opening weekend. And then the box office is going to go up and we'll just make 30 million dollars a week perpetually until we make our money. There's no way they actually thought that because nobody thought that. Nobody with a brain that follows this stuff thought that. So I can't be convinced that a studio that lives in this industry and has for so many decades thought that. I do think that WB was planning on a more gradual gain or a more gradual box office of tenant to where it would make, yeah, an opening weekend. But in terms of the bottom line dollars, more markets would gradually open and that box office would not follow typical box office trends in terms of drops and whatnot. Because, you know, I mean, you could do some cursory research on blockbusters, and you've paid attention to this more than I have in the past, but a 60% drop is not uncommon no, for movies. No, I mean, it's a lot. Movies. It's a lot, but blockbusters typically drop between 40 and 50% routinely. Right. This, between first and this is uncommon for a, a Nolan movie. Right. Dunkirk dropped only 45%, Interstellar dropped 29%, and Inception dropped only 45%, and that's week to week. Right. Never mind weekend to weekend. Bottom line is this movie started low, and then it dropped off much more than we thought. Now, they don't publicize. Like, it's not readily available to us in terms of re- the box office 
at least from my perspective, how many new markets re- reopened after week one into week two. So maybe it just hasn't happened yet. And tenant still has the capability to spike for lack of a better term in terms of its box office and to, you know, to have this seven week, basically money-making period where ultimately, okay, it does make 120 million at the U S box office and it does make 400 million or 300. It's whatever million, uh, internationally. And it doesn't lose that much, but you know, at the same time, it doesn't look good. I mean, they're a long way off from 500 million at 207 right now. I mean, what what was the number you genuinely think they were hoping to hit? I know it's all speculation, and our word means nothing on this, and it's just for fun at this point. But, like, I, I cannot be convinced they thought this thing had a shot at 200 million domestically. There's no way. I mean, everybody... Look, Eric Weber, who we've had on the show, we've talked about him a bunch, and he's a good buddy of ours. He, he ran a poll the week before Tenet came out asking what the opening box office would be, and yeah. 20 to $25 million was one of the options. Like, it's not... This opening wasn't so far out of the realm of possibility that this is a total blindside. Nobody saw it coming, and that's why WB is now acting, and every major studio is now acting like the fucking world is ending. Like, you had a month minimum, at least a month, I would say, to prepare for this number. So, number one, I think that this number is still much lower than what they thought, right? I mean, I just, look. Mike, if they lost lost 30%, which blockbusters rarely ever lose that little, if they lost 30% week to week, like I said, you're still at 40 million only. That's not going to make that big of a difference. You're going to get to 100 million. You're going to get to 80 million there. Are you? You're losing losing 20, 30% every week? Well, but the, th- the whole thing that they were convincing themselves of is that this is not going to play along this, the same trends, that this is going to play for eight weeks, seven weeks, especially when New York and L.A. open will get a huge spike because that's 30 percent of usual box office. Well, that's what in this, this proved, country proved to me overall. Most of like no movies ever going to open again without New York and L.A. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. But I, I think there's still a path where Tenet makes. 350 million overseas i think that's likely so what does it really have to make to get close to your 450 500 in in the u.s it just has to make 100 120 million at the end of the day i i'm guessing they thought they could come close to that now does tenant still have a chance to make its money back i mean if if it finishes its 90-day window and it goes to pvod on hbo max then it's going to make time warner subscription dollars it's going to uh be something that people buy for the 30 dollars. Well, it's going to be it's going to be the only movie available in theaters now until november sure you know and, and that's and that's uh unfortunate because a lot of the it's unfortunate in one way but it's it's good for wb in terms of actually getting close to even for tenant it's good for tenant it's bad. Well, but then again, it's a double-edged sword yeah, because totally. more movies yep. could encourage more movie going. The problem here, the bottom line problem here is that the people who are willing to go to the movies went to the movies and that was it. Yeah. And then maybe they rewatched it, you know, like me, I went back twice. So the, those numbers, those measly numbers from Monday through Thursday of week two, that $2.3 million that it make made was like rewatch numbers yeah. that was me going back to the theater numbers and it made nine million in its second weekend so it's not like people gradually left their homes after the storm right they gradually meandered out and went back to the movie theaters no. so do you think people- that was part of it do you think that this is they actually expected more people 
to not take the virus as seriously as they seem to? I think they expected what's happened with like restaurants and stuff. Like they expected, you know, people to. Kind yeah, of... I thought about that yesterday. But restaurants. I was going to thinking about making that exact comparison on the show. But restaurants are bars. You can't make the restaurant comparison because restaurants can operate on a curve by service. You can't do that with movie. Th- like restaurants have other avenues of making yeah. money. Movie theaters really only have one avenue of making money. But let's be honest. I mean, I'm just, you know, looking outside of Connecticut. I don't go to restaurants. I have not been to a restaurant since COVID. Right. I pick up. I pick up restaurants. But I have not sat down at a restaurant since COVID started, period. End of story. But when I drive by restaurants every night of the week or whenever I'm out, they're full. They're packed. So that wasn't the case when restaurants just started to open up again in Connecticut. So I don't know. I don't know if they thought that it would work like restaurants. And I agree with you. They were stupid if they thought that. And I I think that's at the end of the day, they grossly misread the movie going public's willingness to go to the movies at the bottom line. That I, that I think I agree that I think I agree with. Um, But I think the difference you and I have is at what point did they misread it? When did that misreading come in? Because, like, you made the point before we got on, before we hit the mics. Like, right. if these box office projections came out week of, WB was screwed and they couldn't just move the movie. And my, my take was, yeah, in normal time, sure, I completely agree. But they had already waited until the last second to move this movie twice or three times already. I don't think moving it again would have fucking mattered. Unless the marketing costs were so unbelievably prohibitive that they had no choice but to leave it at this point because they were just running out of money. Which I don't believe, but that's a different conversation, I guess. So, look, this thing's an onion, and there's a lot of variables, and there's there's a lot of layers, and we're not going to get answers to them. But I think the big difference you and I have is I find it hard to believe that Mm. this was so unforeseen that now the industry is in a panic when you had seven months or at the very minimum at least one month certainly to prepare for this being an inevitability i think that throughout this pandemic people have had immense pressure to avert a financial meltdown Mm -hmm. On the one hand, and I don't think that's Republican Democratic politics. I think there's a, a very real recession coming, and I I hope it's not a depression coming. And I know that it's you know it's probably wrong to be the worry wart saying as much, but I I think that's all very real. And I think movie theaters, as we've covered throughout the last two years, Mike, movie theaters are in dire straits. AMC, the biggest chain, is taking save my ass loans. But this to get hurts me them. To Christmas. This, this is a in disaster. This way hurts movie theaters. But the symbiotic relationship between studios and movie theaters, the fact that you know Christopher Nolan is being touted as the savior, and this movie is going to be the start, what they thought was the start of a return to cinemas in the United States. The problem is, I think they got that the, the wheels in motion much too early, and they couldn't read the COVID numbers, and they, and they kept, and then they talked themselves out. And the fateful mistake is that they talked themselves out of the COVID numbers uh, spiking back up in the summer because they got to make these decisions a couple months in advance, usually, right? Usually, usually yeah. I, I know you said they could have pulled the plug at the last second. Well, they didn't. Not that they could have. They did. They did it twice, at least. They I mean, Tenet, mo- Tenet moved from the end of July to two weeks out in August, the week of. 
so I wonder if they had good box office overseas, and then they're then they thought, and maybe they still think, you know, hell, we can still make four hundred million overseas with Tenant at the end of the day, and I, it wouldn't shock me if it makes four hundred million overseas. So all it's got to do here is a hundred million to break even. I, I wonder if that's what they were thinking, at least as a backstop at the end of the day, and then they can make money on the back end because of the rest of the U.S. movie going public they're the, now the u.s movie watching at home public they would eventually rent or buy tenant when it came out on the back end and then wb would make money there at the very least i don't know well i do think that makes some kind of sense i i, I mean yeah obviously you would think they're not totally blind to the pandemic Right. I mean, they're, these are responsible. These are people that are millionaires that study this industry that are they are seeped in this industry. This is how they make their yeah. living. They know what they're doing for the most part. And so they would think that you would think or you would hope that they're saying, OK, we're not going to hit X number for, for U.S. markets. And that's fine. We're trying to hit Y number instead. Again, it just comes back to what is the difference between what actually happened and what Y number was? I mean, there had to be a level of optimism within WB offices that they were going that more people. I asked you the question. I'm answering it, I guess, myself. There had to be a level of optimism that they would be able to draw more people to theaters than not. And now I've also heard this theory going, I've seen it a lot on social media, that while Tenet is this niche movie, Nolan's a great director, but I it's an original that. property, it's not a comic book movie, Wonder Woman 84 was going to be the real test. And look, I, I happen to agree with a lot of those, like, in a vacuum, it points in just vacuum. in and of themselves. Like, yes, fine. Wonder Woman is a comic book movie, it's got a wider appeal, it would be, you know... Yes. Yes, obviously. Okay, fine. But you can't have it both ways, either. Like, you can't say that... Tenant is going to be the canary in the coal mine, and we're going to judge our reaction as an industry, as a studio, uh, based on what Tenant does. And then in the same breath say, oh, don't worry about what Tenant did because it's a niche property and it's not the wide appeal one. It's not a comic book movie. It's not an adapted property. And that we'll wait. Those are the ones that'll make us money. Like, you can't do that. You can't have it both ways there. That infuriated me as well. I don't disagree with your how upset you are based on their excuses afterwards. But I do think people make excuses when they screw up, right? I mean, those are excuses. How about a excuses. plan, Mike? How about a plan instead of an excuse? Well, I'm just saying, I think no, their I agree. plan I was that this would I'm do yelling, bad, You but. know what I'm doing? I'm yelling. I'm doing exactly what I, my father did to me over the years. Like, I'm mad. I had a bad day at work, so I'm taking it out on my kid and my spouse. Oh, no. But their <laughs> actions speak louder than words, though. I guess we can start to transition to the last two stories, right? Because the Kingsman, Greenland, Candyman uh, from different studios. Halloween Kills a couple months ago. Black Widow, No Time to Die, Soul. They're all rumored to move coming up. And, of course, the big story was that Wonder Woman 1984 has officially moved from October 2nd to Christmas. This is WB basically admitting that Tenant was a mistake to put out there, correct? Yeah, I mean that to to me, I'm I'm interested that both Dune and Wonder Woman are sticking around in December, uh, and those are both within a week of each other. And I don't think yeah. both, those both of those make are going to stick at all. But we'll talk about Dune in a second. But yeah, my the gut reaction to what happened is absolutely WB is saying, okay, Mia culpa, we screwed up. We gotta we gotta fix this now. But again, it goes back to for me they're still doing plan a like plan a is still just waiting for normalcy like maybe we'll have a vaccine in december and people will want to come back out to the movie theaters kicking the can down the road the road hits a dead end eventually 
I just think plan A is contingent on the COVID numbers going down so much like they have overseas to where people are obviously Then we need a new administration running the country. <laughs> I mean, that's, 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 I, I don't want to get political about it. I've tried really hard not to, but that's, that's the truth of the matter. The way this is handled, it's being talked about like it's no big fucking deal every time our president goes on TV and he's being reluctant to masks and the most simple things you can do to prevent it. And of course he has ardent, passionate followers who support him, who believe he's talking in code sometimes anyway. Like that's the reality of the situation. We're not going to handle this better until we get a new administration. Half the people I talk to don't believe that this pandemic is all that serious. And the other half I know are basically doing what we're doing. Yeah. We're sheltering and we're, we're not really back to life as usual. And yes, I will go to the movies because I believe that once in a while I'll take that risk to kind of do this well, yeah, job. There's a way to do it safely. We've done it. But here's the thing. I just came from the movies a couple nights ago. I was one of four people. There. Right. And I, I did it after reading a bunch more on Cinemark. I was avoiding going back. I want to go to the movies every single day. Michael. I miss I it. I miss it. I drove. History. I drove by uh, not my podunk one, but a different one just yesterday just to see it. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you would have wanted to have seen Tenet by now. I hyped it up in that review. I love the movie. I wanted to see it again and again and again. That's why this is so uh, disheartening because Tenet has the goods. And say what you want. That's why Monday morning quarterbacking is bullshit at the end of the day because, yeah, Labor Day, yeah, sports are going on, yeah, you know, whatever. All that stuff, those are small reasons right. for small amounts of dollars. At the end of the day, Tenet is a good movie. It's a good blockbuster. It would have made money in a normal world. A lot of money. I mean, obviously, and I agree, do you think, this is a loaded question, and it's also yeah. rude and crass, but I'm sorry. It's but all right. Do you think <laughs> any studio has any fucking idea what they're doing right now? I think the studios have their nuts in a vice because I think they're seeing theatrical oblivion in this country with these companies about to go under. I said this I seven AMC, months ago and you said I was being a pessimist. <laughs> if I did, I don't remember it, but if I did, you were wrong. But I, I you, Or you've convinced me until by now. So you could take that as a win. How about that? Good, but bottom yeah. line is AMC is probably a couple months from re- not just filing Chapter 11, but like really being, done. being in danger. Yeah. And, and look, Chris Gore, Chris Gore disagrees with you, by the way. I mean, I've, I've been listening to the Film Thread podcast, great podcast, and, and he's been following the industry for a long time. Yeah, he absolutely. He basically just thinks AMC didn't want to pay rent during a pandemic and that this was all legal posturing, and they're not in trouble as much as we think they're in trouble, but all of the major financial trades think they're in trouble, and they've been taking huge loans to stay afloat Apparently, I, I mean, I could be I've seen some articles. I've read some articles that say the same. My response to that is would be then why get into bed with Universal like they did. But OK, I mean, that's neither here nor there. Well, I'm just saying that these movie studios could also be feeling financial pressures themselves. Right. So they're feeling fi- financial pressures for their, you know, partner of 60 years, the movie theaters. And then they're feeling financial pressures within their own 
team, and they're going to have to lay however many more people off. We've been seeing layoffs all summer from every major studio, right? Mm-hmm. So they're basically saying, we need this to work, and they talked themselves into the fact that it would work. And now they're just just panicking. It's panicking. Take everything off the schedule. These numbers, they totally did a 180, and everything moves off, and Wonder Woman goes to Christmas. And I think you're right. Dune is there for now, but it's probably gone, or at least one of those two movies are, are going to be gone. And I would test... Dune rather than Wonder Woman. I would bump Wonder Woman. Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand, and and uh, well, for, first of all, to address Chris Gore, I will take any reason for optimism as well. So I hope he's right. Uh, I hope so. That's too, one. But uh, two. I hope he's right because you're. That would make you wrong. This one for me. But <laughs> if, no, I, if I'm, I'm going to be wrong, I'm okay being wrong to Chris Gore. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. at the same time, Chris Gore might. That might be what he thought. That's from an older podcast, right? So I, I mean, who knows? He may be thinking differently now. We have hopefully plans to have him back on soon. Anyway, so maybe he can give us some clarity. But, oh, God, where was I going? All right, Wonder Woman. Um, I have a couple directions I can go here. I guess I'll go with this. I know Wonder Woman isn't going to go on HBO Max, but in terms of innovation and, like, trying something new, I would... Wouldn't it help HBO Max subscribers? Wouldn't that get a bump if they took Wonder Woman and just put it on HBO? I know it'll never happen, and it shouldn't ever happen just on box office, but, I mean, at least that would be a step in some kind of unique direction. There's just been no... Like, the only gamble I've seen so far yeah. is we're going to put Tenant out and see how it does, which was something that was an inevitability. That's something that was going to happen regardless, with Christopher Nolan being as passionate as he was about putting it out. I haven't seen anybody step up, or any studio or any player in the industry step up and say, we're going to try this. I mean, the AMC Universal deal is kind of something, but if I was any theater chain right now, I would be knocking down AMC and Universal's door. And I said this months ago as well, just trying to get a piece of the PVOD money to stay alive and stay afloat. All right. Here's my read on it. I, I have a couple of points. Number one, obviously the Mulan PVOD release, you know, I, I think we both agree that that's a slight innovation, putting it on your own streaming sure. service. PVOD is just a, an innovation in its own yeah. right, even though it's been around forever, et cetera, et cetera. But all right, fine. Watch at home. It's not really that, you know, that unique. But basically Disney Plus putting Mulan on its service. Disney seemingly made money after a report that said 29% of U.S. subscribers bought Mulan. Mm -hmm. And a lot of smart people have said, SlashFilm.com included, that 29% of 30 million, if there's 60 million subscribers overall, and at least 30 million are in the U.S., then that accounts for like 261 million just based on, you know, what it made thus far. Mulan. So Mulan made that, made $40 million overseas in the box office. $20 million of that is profits. Plus, it added Disney Plus subscribers. So it's probably already had, it already made Disney like $300 million, whatever the marketing is on it. Yeah, it's Mulan, close to Mulan, breaking was, even. Mulan was definitely a win for Disney. I mean, there's no so, doubt. Based on what could have happened with that on, in the States versus what did happen with it. I do think Disney's mitigating the risky future of theaters, at least. And You think they're look, mitigating I mean, it? By building up this streaming, oh, I see, I see. I'm sorry, I miss. Yeah, I misunderstood. Like Netflix, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. And and by going off the reservation after you know years of saying they wouldn't do it. I mean, I talked about this with Raul Nevado and Mo Shama there from the Minorities Report Film Podcast, and he was shocked because he was covering the Milan story like really closely on his show. I was listening to him every week, and Disney was just staunchly saying, and we covered this a little bit too. They were staunchly saying, "We're not going PVOD. We're not doing that. We're either streaming. We're all about theatrical, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And then they take the biggest next release, or their next biggest release, I should say, Mulan 
Amazon and they put it right on their streaming service and boom, it at least breaks even or makes them money based on recent reports. So, all right, that's an innovation, Michael. I, w- I would say at least to a smaller extent, even though it's not the innovations we talked about. But the reason I, I, I say this is that what would you do with Dune if you were WB and you were not, you, if you didn't have Tenet, let's say they punted Tenet till next summer. Like Dune is a $175 million budget. It's it's like a Mulan budget, which was $200 million or $250, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Dune should play at big movie theaters. It's Denis Villeneuve, etc. But Dune probably makes Mulan money on HBO Max, right? Yeah, I would think at least. I, I, you asked me what I would do with Dune overall. The reason I'm willing to believe WB truly was is at least telling the truth in saying that they thought that Tenet would make at least more. They're a little blindsided, I guess. It's not, it doesn't have to do with timing, but has more to do with uh, dollar amount, is because of what happened with Dune and doing that big Twitter premiere this week that yeah. that I think they should have waited on altogether until after the Tenet box office. But I don't think you roll that out, and you said this to me, and I agree with it. I don't think you put that on Twitter, the, the big cast reveal with Stephen Colbert, the big rollout of the first trailer there. I don't think you do that event unless you genuinely think you're going forward with Dune playing in December. And now that they have done it, Mm-hmm. Again, I agree with you again. I think Wonder Woman's the movie you would move, and I think you would keep Dune there if you're going to keep one of those there in December at the end of the day. I agree. I also think that it's, you know, they got a built-in hedge in a way. Like, if you put a Dune marketing blitz on for a week, a hard week, right? You put the trailer out. It costs money to put the trailer out. Yeah, you make some YouTube dollars, but whatever. You put it on a couple of shows and you do that and and again it's costing money to do tv spots and all this it's not a sunk cost though like at the very worst it can play like a comic-con venue where you make the presentation and you, you know it just puts the public consciousness back into you know yeah it's it's not Dune's a do or die th- yeah i yeah you're right so I don't think they look at the marketing risk the same way as all right we open no we got to take it back out but I mean that that's that's the risk you know tenant not doing well is a it's really a problem for movie theaters and that's why everything's moving off but I mean look at the U S box office I mean nothing has made money unhinged thirty three million dollar budget twenty six million dollar worldwide gross new mutants sixty seven million dollar budget all right it's a notorious flop twenty nine million dollar worldwide gross the rental the wretched Becky they were all supposed to have made money at drive-ins they they each made like three four million dollars right mm-hmm. on box office mojo they have budgets of sixteen and sixty six million so if they made money it was on VOD they didn't make money in theaters so I'm not surprised that anything moves out of theaters at this point. And I'm not surprised at any attempts for innovation, further innovation, putting stuff on streaming services, doing gimmicks, doing day and date, uh, doing what Kajillionaire is doing. I meant to say this before. A Kajillionaire is seemingly the first of the AMC Universal 17-day window movies, Mike. Kajillionaire is going to come out for 17 days in theaters, and then it's going to go to PVOD, apparently, because it's Focus Features owned by Universal. So I think at this point, everybody's jumping off the ship, 
right, in terms of the U.S. box office and they're not putting movies out there and you may finally get your wish at some innovation because this point that I'm leading up to is that we're finally heading towards kind of a hard deadline for movie studios. They have Oscar slates. These movies have to get put out before the Oscars deadline of February 28th. You can't put them out all at once. Look what Netflix has done. They've acquired more movies. They've spaced it all out. If Netflix doesn't win the uh, like multiple big six <laughs> Oscars this year, uh, they're going to spend a billion dollars on a movie in the next two years. <laughs> but yes, go ahead. <laughs> the Netflix billion dollar movie <laughs> is coming. And Andrew, you need to dedicate a whole other podcast feed to cover it. But you're absolutely right. But I uh, I don't know what else I was going for with other innovations, but I, you know, the day and date is interesting. Blackbird is doing that's that. that's the hard part, obviously, right. right? And I, I'm sure that's what's led to studios dragging their feet on this. And like, I can scream about innovation all I want, but the hard part is, you know, coming up with the innovation. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not on a payroll where I have to think of it, so I can just criticize. No, I, I agree that I don't know what the answer is. And obviously studios don't know what the answer is yet either, but you're right. At some point, it's going to be shit or get off the pod time, not only for studios, but for theaters. And we know studios want theaters around, at least for blockbusters. I totally agree with you. That being said, I do think the low-budget, mid-budget movies have been making money on PVOD, right? I think the King of Staten Island must have made money, otherwise they wouldn't put antebellum out on Mm -hmm. a streaming service or maybe the invisible man and antebellum are a better comparison but they wouldn't put out you know these other movies that are that are coming out on pvod if the high note and the king of staten island at least didn't break even right and those are the movies that we were really focused on not just trolls world tour which is a kids movie the kids movie is a different dynamic right right? and maybe mulan is a different dynamic than tenet would be on hbo max even but or dune but here's the thing and here's what just dawned on me while we're talking. So see, see, these non-scripted uh, chats can can actually do something <laughs> because this just dawned on me. If the New York Film Festival that I just watched opening night of last night virtually of Lovers Rock, which is 50 minutes of dance party, Steve McQueen, I loved it. I love it. You know, I spent yeah. 15. You were on going the crazy. You were tweeting me all, or you were texting me all happy go lucky about dance parties, and I was sitting in misery watching the Celtics implode. <laughs> I learned that this was a TV show. Essentially. And this was episode one of a TV show of Steve McQueen miniseries, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's this anthology series. And it's he did, he did all of these like hour and 10 minute things. Mike, out of the hour and 10 minutes, 55 minutes was a dance party. Yeah. I, I paid $15 to make myself feel good last Meanwhile, night. I felt Marcus great. Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown are going at each other with fists. <laughs> but if the New York Film Festival can get their streaming service together then why couldn't AMC and Cinemark and NATO, let's say, if they pooled their research, resources together, came up with a streaming service, they have the exclusivity to the windows, they could have cut a different deal with the theaters. Mike, <laughs> yes, I'm all for it. I suggested that in March! <laughs> like, I'm just... I'm not, I don't mean to stroke my own ego here, but I, 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 I'm out- outraged. Because it's impossible that this show was the only one that had that idea. Like, it seems pretty obvious at this point. Like, where is it? I think it's a great idea. Yes, sign me up yesterday for it. Right. Well, I didn't believe you. In my- <laughs> so I'm, I'll, I'm not going to pretend 
I'm not going to pretend like I thought that was a great idea in March. No, I didn't say the streaming. I didn't, I didn't say the streaming service part. I think that's great. Yeah, I, I, I'm all for it. Yes, I think that's a great innovation. That'd be perfect. I'm sure it would cost hundreds of millions to get off the ground, but there's but an they, opening yeah. for it. I mean, I get why they don't do it though. Number one, they don't have the capital probably. Even though, all right, if New York Film Festival can do it, why can't everybody else? But higher demand probably costs a lot more to to get it done, right? Whatever firewalls, whatever right. the space bandwidth. I don't know websites that's why it's taking so long for us to say we're not the tech guys no but they could have done something whether it would be partner up with amazon or apple yes. the problem is it they thought nato and everybody else they thought that it put their business model at risk. And it might. Their business yeah their business model is essentially you know sell overpriced popcorn and soda to crowds of people on the weekends to make our profit because it costs so damn much it costs so damn right. much to exhibit the films. You could also put a contingency on it that, I mean, it could also just exist for until there's a vaccine or until there's widespread use of a vaccine. Like, that contracts exist for a reason, you know? Like, you can negotiate terms. I think they were worried about changing movie-going habits. And I think they saw that the studios have been wanting to do this forever, hence Universal and what we've been saying about Universal forever. But Especially, isn't like some money better months. than no money for the theaters? Like This has been another platform I've, I've railed on this show about. Like, isn't... Y- yes, there's no perfect answer. I understand that. Yes, innovation is incredibly hard to come up with and it's probably even harder to implement in this space. But isn't getting some revenue better than just waiting? I didn't think that this was going to be seven months in this country. You predicted that. comes full circle back to the beginning of this podcast. You were like, this is going to be a year or two years. This is is staying with us for a long time because of all these alarming signs that I'm reading. The faith uh, I had in our leadership, yeah. Basically, in other countries, that has not been the case. I think people were looking at South Korea and they were seeing how they were getting out of trouble after four or five months, right? Yeah. I mean, because that's mostly the timeline for for these other countries. Even China, I mean, it should, but the problem is with China and comparing us to China, you know, you, they started three months earlier, right? And there's a discre- there's always been a discrepancy with China's now. Like, we, we, we know. We're not trying to be a totally political show here, but yes, there's caveats. Bottom line is, we didn't think it would take this long for the U.S. to right. get a that's hold That's the bottom line. And, it's, but, and it's, it has no end in sight. It's getting worse. Nobody wants to believe. I mean, I mean, to predict we're at this point seven months ago, you would have to have a complete lack of faith in the leadership of this country. And nobody wants to have that much lack of... Le- like, you don't want to believe that the administration would be told one thing by scientists and then the leaders of that administration would turn what science is telling them on its head because it doesn't jive with their desire to keep the economy booming as much as it can. Like, you don't want to believe people in charge would actually prefer an economy over human lives, right? You don't want to believe that. You would have to have a twisted brain to think that, and I do. <laughs> That's why I was saying the things I was saying. I think that... Movie theaters are under a ton of pressure. I think that this government is under a ton of pressure. I think, you know, I don't like him either, and I'm not going to vote for him. I know. You're, you're, you're I, trying I think, to walk it back, and you're doing an admirable job. And I'm just telling you where my thought process came from seven months ago, why I was predicting what I was predicting. I agree that you are right, 
And, and it now sucks. we're dealing with the fallout yeah. of people under an enormous amount of pressure making bad decisions. This is the bottom line. It's human nature. It's one-on-one stuff, right? I mean, it's they're making bad business decisions because there's no good business decision. And they're making bad decisions overall, and, and, and they're worsening the problem. But if you in look other cases. if you look at other industries, Mike, like if this if the movie industry was the banking industry, this wouldn't happen. Right. If this was any other industry, something would have been done by now. The movie industry as a whole is going to be okay. You know how I know that? Because Netflix is bigger and badder than ever. And Disney Plus is making money hand over fist. I mean, the streamers are crushing it. Amazon Prime is making hell. Quibi is not out of business yet. Quibi. <laughs> they just want. They should. They just been, won an Emmy. <laughs> they just won an Emmy. They should have been out of business months right. ago, but they probably have propped up viewing numbers and subscription numbers to the point where they can stay afloat after spending all the money. Right. You're, I mean, so, the danger in this isn't on the studio. Well, it's not on the big studio side. They're they're pretty much impervious. The danger in this is on the theatrical side. And the studios are still selling to the streamers, and they're still making money on the back end with a lot of different ways. And it, it, that's why the studios are like, we can delay right, a year. Right. It's bad. Exactly it's right. really bad. But we're making profits because we're part of these conglomerates that are buoyed up by some, you know, profits from streaming service. And those profits are up big time. Yeah, I, you're, you're absolutely right. But that's, again, you would think that would just be an imperative to other theater chains to try and and maybe you know what to their credit I, let's try yeah. to give them a little credit maybe they are trying behind the scenes to get something done and the studios are just saying well we can just wait and we'll wait and we'll wait and maybe it's the studios to blame I, we don't know we have no maybe. idea how that conversation is going the only thing I do know is that studios have proven they don't want to do without theaters because both sides make a ton of money off big giant blockbusters and tentpole films so I mean Universal doesn't enter yeah. that deal with AMC unless they know they need theater still you know i believe that if studios are banking on the pvod business growing right and basically saying all right trolls world tour made 400 million x whatever it made let's say it made blockbuster levels Mm. on pvod if they want to extrapolate those numbers and say that okay if trolls world tour did that imagine what fast and furious nine is going to do that is an even dumber error in the long run, in my opinion, because A, you're not dealing with COVID viewership, and B, you're competing with, you're basically taking an a la carte you know, purchase, and you're competing with mass poo-poo platters of every movie ever made. Because people are not going to If you put it on buy, VOD? Yeah, they're not yeah. going to buy $50 worth of uh, Fast and Furious, non-pandemic, non-bored out of their minds at an alarmingly high rate right. for X amount of days, the same way they bought Trolls World Tour for their kids right. in a normal movie-watching era when they could just turn on Netflix and watch for uh, you know a minuscule amount of their subscription fee. They better hope that they don't anyway, because if it turns out people do, then theaters are dead. Well, it's not just theaters that are dead. It's that this whole other model that's a problem. Yeah. And that's why I don't think the PVOD model is a, a surefire winner at the end of the day either for everything. We're setting ourselves up for a couple 
conflicts in different ways too. I know we got to start wrapping up here, but just to, I mean, this is a different con- mm-hmm. a whole different conversation for a different day. But I mean, if you do load up the 2021 schedule, what are you going to do? Have a blockbuster debut every week and, and just hope people show up and just shell out all kinds of money at the theaters once COVID does go away. You know, it might work in the short term, but people aren't. I mean, you know, some movies are going to end up losing box office if you just stack them up like that. I do think there is kind of a, a a mass delay in the sense that, you know, it wasn't just the releases that were delayed. It was the productions that were delayed. Yeah. So that, that's part of it. But there the also delay. are a ton of movies that are finished sitting around in studios right now. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's why you're getting anthology films from Amazon. And that's why you're getting, you know, Welcome to Blumhouse coming to Amazon and, and stuff like that. So we're going to have a lot to talk about in terms of movies that do hit us. we got a lot of movies to review on from Netflix and otherwise somehow. But I, I do think we're going to get that next wave of streaming films heading into this Oscar season, which you keep saying, and I agree with you, is going to happen come hell or high water. I don't see how it... I mean, unless there's a major uh, renegotiation of the contract between the Academy and Disney, or slash ABC, Mm -hmm. I don't think ABC is going to pony up the money to not have an Oscars program like they would need to. Um, And also, as far as Netflix goes, just be on the lookout for them to to swoop in and buy a big film that's already sitting around in the studio. I, I still, we haven't talked a lot at length about that, but I still yeah. have that floating around in the back of my head. But yeah, all right. We need to know, obviously, your thoughts, dear listener, about everything that we just covered here, about the Mulan numbers, about the Tenet box office numbers, about what's going on with Dune and Wonder Woman and WB Slate and No Time to Die, MGM, all that stuff. You can leave us those comments, questions, concerns, uh, as well as any other comments, questions, and concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. Leave us all those on our social media medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts if you're listening to us on apple podcasts if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review that would be very very cool of you and do let us know uh what you thought about this format as well this was like a first time thing for mike and i we just kind of <laughs> went off the top of our heads so uh if we ended up like speaking mandarin in the middle of this and just kind of blacked out let us know about that too because we may not have recognized it in the moment uh michael tell the good people what's coming next and what are some words of wisdom to end this episode on? i like all of the you know look back immediate terrified look back <laughs> on the episode that we i do it too i listen to myself it's like why why can't i just keep selling the episode that we just did keep selling our brand no we're like oh my god i don't know what we just did it might be a disaster if i've established anything this episode it's that my outlook is very dour and down on most things i just think it's it's kind of funny like this could have been a disaster we're sorry i don't remember bringing up my little pony if you liked it let us know Anyway, I have no idea either. Let us know if you liked it. I'll say the same thing because I agree with you. But what's coming next is that we have the Emmys this Sunday. I think we're planning to do a you know very uninformed reaction show for you guys to kick off your next week. We have Skyfall that we still need to do for James Bond and the character study. That's going to be part eight coming out at some point in September. We have New York Film Festival screenings for, for On the Rocks and Nomadland. Excited. Right now we're thinking in some way, shape, or form we're going to give you non-spoiler reviews for at least those two movies. Maybe French Exit, maybe another the one mm-hmm. down the line but we got some film festival movies that we want to review for you guys and then the netflix slate and then the streaming slate we're going to pick and choose some movies to review there as well oscar race checkpoints come down the pike every now and again because all this news breaks 
That's why uh, we're doing uh, news shows, even though we don't necessarily want to be a news show, Mike. We keep doing them. Yeah, I think uh, we could be the pundits commenting on the news more so than just presenting it to you. And, That's uh, right. Was... We, if, if nothing else, you mm-hmm. will get opinions and hot takes from us. <laughs> That'll have to be the words of wisdom because I don't have any wisdom in here. I just I I broke my brain with all the improv. <laughs> you t- you did well, buddy. I, at least I think so. Uh, who knows? I, I guess it's up to the listeners to decide that for sure. In my, Likewise. My editing. Did, yeah, right. No, it's terrible. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, guys, when reality, or, you know, maybe this episode sucks, you can come watch movies <laughs> with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, thanks for listening. We will see you all very soon. See you.